Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me have your attention. Two traveling angels stopped to spend the night in the home of a wealthy family. The family was rude and refused to let the angel stay in the mansion's guest room. Instead, are you listening to me? Instead, the angels were given a space in the cold basement. Well, as they made their bed on the hard floor, the angel saw a hole in the wall and repaired it. When the younger angel asked why, the older angel replied, things aren't always as they seem. Well, the next night, the two angels came to rest at the home of a very poor but hospitable farmer and his wife. After sharing with them what little food they had, the couple let the angels sleep in their bed where they could have a good night's rest. When the sun came up the next morning, the angels found the farmer and his wife in tears. Their only cow, whose milk had been their sole income, lay dead in the field. Well, the younger angel was infuriated and asked the older angel, how could you let that happen? Well, the first man had everything, the angel said, and yet you helped him. The second family had very little, but was willing to share everything, and you let their cow die. Things aren't always what they seem, the older angel replied. You see, when we stayed in the basement of the mansion, I noticed there was gold stored in a hole in the wall. Since the owner was so obsessed with greed and unwilling to share his good fortune, I sealed the wall so he wouldn't find it. Then last night, as we slept in the farmer's bed, the angel of death came for his wife. I gave the angel of death the cow instead. Things aren't always as they seem. So we come to Hebrews. Come on, take your Bibles and turn with me. The Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, get your pen, get your pad. The baby Jesus is God. Somebody say amen. God in the flesh. I can't wait to tell you about this sermon. It just really, really spoke to me. I hope it does you. Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to jump right in. I've titled this sermon... Why was Jesus born? Why was Jesus born? Let me give you five points in which we'll work from today. Why Jesus was born. Number one, Jesus was born to be our substitute. Jesus was born to be our substitute. We're going to find that in verse nine. And then secondly, Jesus was born to be our salvation. Somebody say amen. Our substitute. Our salvation. Number three, Jesus was born to be our sanctifier. 
mean, you could take your phone and take a picture if you want. Jesus was born to be our sanctifier. We'll find that in verse 11 and 13 through 13. Number four, Jesus was born. Why was Jesus born? To be our Satan conqueror. I will explain. I promise. Our Satan conqueror. And then finally, Jesus was born to be our sympathetic high priest. Our sympathetic high priest. Jesus was born to be our substitute. Verse 9. Jesus was born to be our salvation. Verse 10. Jesus was born to be our sanctifier in verse 11 through 13. Jesus, number four, was born to be our Satan conqueror in verse 14 through 16. And then finally, Jesus was born to be our sympathetic high priest in verse 17 and 18. Why was he born? As a substitute, our salvation, sanctifier, Satan conqueror, sympathetic high priest. These five goals of Jesus when he was born on Christmas morning. Obviously, I've titled this sermon, Why Was Jesus Born? Hebrews chapter 2, saints, we're going to pick up in verse 9, read right through verse 18, and come back and have some comments. Everybody good? Hebrews chapter 2, we're looking at verse 9. If you're looking at verse 9, say amen. Mm, some of y'all didn't, ain't looking. Hebrews chapter 2, y'all must be writing down stuff. Hebrews chapter 2, we're looking at verse 9. If you're looking at verse 9, say amen. But we see who, saints, who was made, a, watch it, a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might underline it, taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him in verse 10, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason? He is not ashamed to call us what? Brethren, saying, I will declare, he's quoting Psalm 22, write that in your margin, Psalm 22, 22, actually. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly, and I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he's quoting Isaiah 8, Isaiah 8, 17 and 18, write that in your margins. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch in verse 14, then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is who, saints? And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed... He does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham, those, those by faith. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that he might be merciful and a faithful high priest. Somebody say amen in things pertaining to God to make propitiation. There's your word for the day for the sins of the people. 
For in him, in verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. Y'all come and read this with me. He is able to aid those who are tempted. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. John chapter 1, verse 14. Go ahead and write that down. And I think you know it well, Calvary Chapel. John chapter 1, verse 14 tells us, And the word became what? Flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So on Christmas morn, Jesus left heaven and wrapped himself in flesh. The theological word there is the incarnation. Write that down. The incarnation. The word incarnation or God incarnate literally means that Jesus took on flesh. God became flesh. God took on humanity. Hey, we sing the Christmas song, don't we? Hailed in flesh the Godhead see. Hark the harrow angels sing glory to the newborn king. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. So the word incarnate literally means that Jesus took on Humanity, the incarnation of Jesus or God becoming flesh, is probably the most unique, and I want to say, maybe arguably, the most unique uh, aspect or unique quality of Christianity. And the reason why I say arguably, because the resurrection is also unique quality that separates Christianity. Anybody listening to me this morning that separates Christianity from every other world religion, the incarnation, God becoming flesh. Now, don't make the mistake, and listen to me close, don't make the mistake to think that when Jesus took on flesh that he ceased to be God. When Jesus took on flesh, he added manhood, but he did not subtract Godhood. He was 100, say a better amen than that. He was 100% man and 100%, mm, not a little bit of God, a little bit of man. Are you following me? He was all God and all man. Jesus came to us. Philippians chapter 2 in verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation. Come on, read this with me. Taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. I need everybody reading and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. People say that Jesus never claimed to be God. He always claimed to be God. Always. Paul the Apostle writing to the church of Philippi, he says Jesus didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, being the form of God. He made himself of no reputation. So God, here it is, saints. He came to us in a person. And he didn't stay in the heavenlies. He didn't remain remote and unapproachable. He didn't write us a letter. He didn't send us a representative. He came to us as one of us. The infinite. Did you pick that up? He came to us as one of us, a man. The infinite became an infant. The eternal one becomes a wee one. I worked on that a long time. 
I love it. I worked on it. I love it. Am I right about it? Verse 9. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering. I'm going to explain, because I know this is kind of a, uh, let me just say this here. This text can be a little confusing. It can be a little um, theologically daunting. But we're going to keep it nice and simple, all right? Say, say amen. So Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Now, this word little, I want you to keep your pen handy. You at home, keep your pen handy. This word little has a time stamp. It refers to a little while. For a little while, Jesus was made lower than the angels when he took on flesh and came to the earth and... The purpose for being made lower than the angels, verse 9 tells us, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. So, saints, Jesus did something that angels could never do. What's that, Pastor Rodney? He suffered. He died in our place. He tasted death for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Uh huh. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands in. Red and yellow, black and white, they all are precious in his sight. He died for everybody. Am I right about it? He tasted death for everyone. When the Bible says that Jesus tasted death, that phrase is all-inclusive. To taste death speaks of total death. Every possible angle involved with death. Tasted death speaks of drinking the bitter cup of death on the cross. Remember we talked about that the, uh, about the dregs of God's wrath. The dregs speak of every little bit of the wrath of God that's going to be poured out on the Christ rejecting sinful world. Y'all ain't following me. For the believer, Jesus took all of the wrath of God. Here it is. He took all the wrath of God and he, he drank the cup of suffering to his dregs. I thought of that yesterday. I was drinking some tea in my little no theme canister. Little cuppy. Anybody got that no theme drinky thingy? What do you call it? Uh, thermos. Whatever. And my tea bag broke. Don't you hate that? My tea bag broke. I hate it when my tea bag breaks because then you go drinking through and then you got all these old things. But then at the bottom of the cup of the container is like these tea, the tea leaves and they're just down there. That would be the dregs. So the Bible tells us, and you need to get glad about this, that God poured out his wrath on his son and Jesus absorbed, took all of the wrath of God down to the dregs. He did that for you and for me. Now put your Bible down and clap your hands for the Lord. Will you do that? And say, thank you, Jesus. He did that for us. The death that Jesus tasted, here you go, was the penalty of the broken law. The death that Jesus tasted was the full manifestation of the power of the devil. The death that Jesus tasted was the full wrath of God upon him on the cross. Don't you remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to be interpreted, my God, my God, 
why hast thou forsaken me? When he said, God, why have you forsaken me? That is Jesus tasting death. Now watch this. Jesus cried those words on the cross so you won't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Jesus tasted death so we wouldn't have to. He tasted death. So when you close your eyes in this world, you'll step through the veil of eternity and step into the light and the life of God. And those who don't know Jesus will step through the veil of death into darkness and they will and they will cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down. That's good. Okay, point number two, because we got a lot to cover. Let's go to point number two. Jesus was born. What's number two, y'all? For our salvation in verses 10 through 13. You just go ahead and peruse there. Look at verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom all are all things to bring many sons to glory. Saints, this is very simple. God's plan and desire is to bring many sons to glory. In other words, God's plan and desire is to capture men for heaven. See, Jesus came not to be the cute little baby in the manger. Jesus didn't come to fulfill your desires and your wants. Jesus didn't come so we'd have a celebration of Christmas in the year. Jesus came to die for the sins of men so that men might go to heaven. Are you following me? Right. So Jesus, his plan is to capture men for heaven. Verse 10, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus is the captain of our, our salvation. The word captain, got your pen, means pioneer, means leader, means author, trailblazer. It means anyone who be, begins something that others follow. Anybody who starts something and leads is a trailblazer is an author, is a captain. Jesus is the author of our salvation. Now, we know the Christmas story, don't we? Luke chapter 1, you know it well. The angel, Gabriel, walks in and he said, Mary, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. Not above women, among women. That's another sermon. Gabriel He tells her she will be the mother of the Messiah. When Mary heard this, she couldn't believe the words that she was hearing. He says, Mary, call his name. What saints? Jesus. Jesus means, if you don't know, write it down. Jehovah is salvation. The Virgin Mary began to ask some biological questions. She said, how can this be? How can this happen? I've never been intimate with a man. Saints, this is before the days of IVF. This is before the days of freezing anything. Y'all say amen. I'm working here, people. She said, I never knew a man. I've never been intimate with a man. She's saying this is impossible. Now, it is interesting because the first question that Mary asked to the angel was a question, a statement, if you will, concerning the virgin birth. This is interesting. The first thing Mary said, Mary, you're going to be the mother of Messiah. Wonderful. I never knew a man. I am a virgin, is what she's saying. 
So her first question, her first statement, she's questioning the virgin birth. Now, I bring this up, saints, because listen to me close. There are some, we'll call them so-called ministers, who question the virgin birth. There are so-called ministers, preachers from the pulpits of America, who question the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. There are people who question and do not believe in the inspired word of God, and yet they say they believe in Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible was born of a woman whose father was the Holy Spirit. Am I right about that? And saints, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's why this is important. Because our salvation rests on the virgin birth. Listen to me. Our salvation rests on it. If Jesus, here's how it works out. If Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then his death was good for nothing. If Jesus were were born of two human beings, his death doesn't make him a savior. It makes him a martyr. On the other hand, if he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he was sinless And his death on the cross had the power to forgive us of our sins. And Jesus is our Savior. Somebody can say amen right there. Jesus is our Savior. And in order for you and I to understand Jesus being our Savior and Jesus being the Savior, three conditions must be met. In order for Jesus to be our Savior, three conditions must be met. Let me give them to you and I'll explain. He must be a man. He must be an infinite man. And he must be an innocent man. He must be a man. He must be an infinite man. And he must be an innocent man. A man. An angel could not die for our sins. So this man must be human to die for our sins. Number two, he must be an infinite man. A mere mortal could not bear the price of our sins, right? And number three, he must be an innocent man. A sinner cannot die for a sinner. Are you following me? The virgin birth guarantees Jesus fulfills all three conditions. Because he was born of Mary, he is human. Because he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, he is fully God. And he was born and lived without sin because he was born holy. He is sinless in thought, word, and deed. And this qualifies Jesus to be God, our salvation. Did you get that? Simple. Simple. A little theological for you, but simple. All right? Point number three, let's move forward. Jesus came to be our, what's number three, y'all? Sanctifier in verses 11 through 13. Look at verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those being sanctified are all one. For which reason he also, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus is the one who sanctifies. We are being sanctified. The word holy, saint, and sanctified are the same word in the Greek language, hagiazo. Holy, saint, sanctified in the Greek language, the very same word. We are sanctified and therefore we are saints. We are holy. If you're a born again believer, then you're a saint. If you're not, you're an ain't. 
Some saints make me think they ain't. But okay, fine, we're going to leave that alone. That's another sermon. If you're a born-again believer, you're a saint. Your, your, your husband's a saint, wife. I know that's really hard for you to believe. But you're like, oh, no, man. Oh, no, sir. I'm a saint. Amen. Saint Rodney. Doesn't that have a nice ring? Saint Rodney. You know, y'all can call me Saint Rodney from now on. We're all saints. You follow me? We're all saints. We're saints because we're in Christ. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 tells us that Jesus, look at it, is holy and capable of making us holy. We are made holy by faith and belief in him. Did you get that? We are not made holy because we arrived to sainthood. The word saint has no ethical or moral meaning. We are not made holy saints because we're good people. We are made holy positionally by faith in Jesus. And the Holy One is not ashamed, the Bible tells us, to call us brethren. This is a wonderful, wonderful verse. Wonderful verse. Gotta love it. Jesus, the Bible says, is not ashamed to call you brethren. Now get the context here. The book of Hebrews, arguably Paul wrote it, but whomever, the goal of the book of Hebrews is to help Jewish Christians, new Jewish believer Christians, to understand that Christ is better. Context, 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 Calvary, I tell you all the time. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.